You know, it's said that the immensity of the tragedy in the Gulf has basically diverted our attention from the debacle in Afghanistan. And that's probably true. It's, but it's very difficult for us to understand what's going on over there because it really is over there. It's very different. It's very distant. And it's really hard to figure out because there no, there's no one single front. It's not like, you know, following the GIs across Europe. It's, it's diffuse and it's unpredictable. Uh, you know, McChrystal, the, our, our former, you know, former head there who had to like step down, he was a real uh, straight talker from time to time. He's the one that called Afghanistan a bleeding ulcer. Well, it's an ulcer that we're paying for. American taxpayers, this is from the gray lady, have inadvertently created a network of warlords across Afghanistan who are making millions of dollars escorting NATO convoys and operating outside the control of either the Afghan government or the American and NATO uh, militaries. This is according to the results of a recent congressional investigation. The investigation, which was begun last year by the House Subcommittee for National Security, found that money given to these Afghan warlords often amounts to little more than mafia-style protection payments with some NATO convoys that refused to pay the warlords coming under attack. The subcommittee also uncovered evidence suggesting that American taxpayer money is making its way to the Taliban. My, oh my. Several trucking company supervisors told investigators that they believe the gunmen they hired to escort their convoys bribed the Taliban not to attack. The warlords, who were paid with American money, the investigator said, are undermining the legitimate Afghan government, and American soldiers and Marines are struggling to build a government that they are tearing down, and will most likely threaten the government long after the Americans and NATO leave. So yeah, we're not going to win, yeah, we're going to leave, and we're going to leave it in the hands of warlords, warlords that we have been supporting. The source of the taxpayer money is a $2.1 billion contract called Host Nation Trucking, which pays for the movement of food and supplies to some 200 American bases across this arid, mountainous country, which in many places has no paved roads. Nation building with no roads. The uh, 79-page report from Congress uh, entitled Warlord Inc., I like that. I mean, that's right. That's right off of 60 Minutes. Paints an anarchic picture of contemporary Afghanistan with the country's major highways being controlled by groups of freelance gunmen who answer to no one and who are being paid for by the United States. Afghanistan, the investigation found plays host to hundreds of unregistered private security companies employing as many as 70,000 largely unsupervised gunmen. So I was wrong. I said there was only poppies and rugs in Afghanistan. There was only like two jobs. Wrong. Poppies, rugs, and being an unsupervised gunman. Join your 70,000 other bros. The warlords, they say, thrive in a vacuum of government authority, and their interests are in fundamental conflict with U.S. aims to build a strong Afghan government, the report said. You know, that's what we do. We really believe that we can export democracy. It, it's naive, it's idealistic, and it's become... Uh, 
totally counterproductive. We really believe that all we have to do is show up in these uniforms with all this McDonald's and all of these drones and all of these weapons and these nice Marine girls who want to go in and talk to the women hidden in burkas, and somehow they're all going to become middle-class Americans and live like all the folks in Colorado Springs or Toledo, Ohio. Well, you know, I mean, other people's cultures are not a failed attempt to be you. Long after the United States leaves Afghanistan, says the report, and the convoy security business shuts down, these warlords will likely continue to play a major role as autonomous centers of political, economic, and military power, the report said. Well, the report detailed episodes when trucking companies that refused to pay warlords to escort their trucks were attacked by the same men. A trucking company executive who refused to pay a Mr. Ruhula told investigators that his trucks were attacked by Mr. Rahula's fighters. One or two or 10 or 20 of the 70,000 Rahula-like hoodlums. His name should be Ruhudlam. Mr. Ruhudlam, the executive said, is willing to ruthlessly exploit the lack of military control along the routes on which he operates. Yeah, we're going to leave and it's going to be a bunch of warlords. That's what it was before we got there. Well, you know, during this whole immigration thing, one of the things we've all been saying is, well, okay, it's not really the immigrants, right? It's the employers that give them the jobs that make this all possible. No jobs. Nobody's going to come over here uh, to not earn money. They can do that by staying home. So now residents of a small Nebraska town, it's called Fremont, have passed a controversial law aimed at ridding the town of illegal immigrants, despite warnings that it could mean higher taxes and cuts in city services. So they're ready to sacrifice. Well, now, wait a minute. Now, how could getting rid of illegal immigrants lead to cutting services? The ordinance, which passed by 57 to 43, would fine landlords and employers in Fremont who house or hire illegal immigrants. So mm-hmm. that's the deal, right? Uh, okay. Officials in the town of 25,000 just west of Omaha, isn't everything west of Omaha, say it would cost up to $200,000 a year to enforce the law and up to a million to fight expected legal challenges. <laughs> You've got to take a step, said Jerry Hart. He's, these people are eloquent. You've got to take a step, said Jerry Hart, a leader of the petition drive to put the ordinance on the ballot. Hispanics make up about 8% of the town's population compared to about 4% in 2000. So they've doubled. Uh-huh. The newspaper they're now said, visible. That yeah, they're, yeah, they're visible. Yeah. yeah, they're brown. The newspaper says immigrants drawn largely by jobs at meatpacking plants just outside the city limits account for about 85% of the town's growth this decade. So nobody's coming, nobody's leaving, except the immigrants are coming into work on those awful, you know, Upton Sinclair-like, you know, uh, working conditions in those meatpacking plants. Even if they keep it scrubbed, is pretty gruesome. Oh, it is. So now uh, you're going to, landlords can't rent to them and nobody can hire them. So they've got to have to go back, back to Mexico. No, they aren't going to go back to Mexico. This is where these people are really wrong. How come? Well, because... America is a land of immigrants, okay? I've heard a lot of people say that, uh, uh, you know, on the left, I've heard the the phrase uh, that there is no such thing as an illegal, that everybody's legal, all people are legal. The only reason they're illegal is because, what, the 
they didn't get their passport stamped at the border. Is that that the they difference? They don't even have a passport. They so don't. They, they have didn't even a get their hand stamped. Nothing. At the border. They can't go back because they didn't get their hand stamped. That's right. because well, it's you know once out, they can't come back into the rock concert called America because so, no stamp. I, I'm I'm not familiar with the the wilds of where was it Nebraska? Yeah. I'm not I'm not familiar. You know with the, there are the no meat, wilds. Meat, it's, it's one long plane, flat thing yeah. with meatpacking plants. Yeah, on it. and our webmaster. But I do know what it looks like at the top of let's say mulholland drive and Coldwater canyon yeah there's a taqueria truck up there and there's about 200 guys from south of the border who are cleaning everybody's houses making everybody's hibiscuses look gorgeous making all that grass just the perfect green and the perfect short are these people illegal am i supposed to check with this guy that I'm going to hire to to fix my rose bushes, am I going to? Is it is it interesting to me, or is it important to me, or or is it some sort of national emergency that I'm going to say, Pedro? Well, here's where's the, your green card. Well, that would be legitimate if there were a lot of Shawns and Jasons standing there also looking for the job, but they ain't there because culturally they're not supported to do this kind of work. There is no television shows, you know, with guys named Sean and Jason and whatever they're and, and and the Tiffany's and Beverly's doing scut work. They're all, you know, uh, running around with tons of disposable income with no no visible source or of, they of just employment. they just don't want a job you know mowing your lawn if at first you don't succeed try try again hours after that new orleans judge struck down the obama administration's moratorium on offshore drilling interior secretary ken salazar announced that he will issue a new order reinstating the temporary ban salazar said in a statement that the new order will make clear why a six-month moratorium is essential and include additional evidence that safety conditions are inadequate in deep water wells that could have been a 60-year moratorium and not be a problem Quote, based on this ever-growing evidence, he said, I will issue a new order in the coming days that eliminates any doubt that a moratorium is needed, appropriate, and within our authorities. Earlier, federal judge Marty Feldman said the Interior Department failed to justify the moratorium and that the failure of one rig does not mean all rigs are dangerous. So he ruled that the moratorium was out the door. We've learned later that Judge Marty, at least in 2008 and probably now, has a wide portfolio of stocks directly related to deep water drilling. Oh, Marty.